0: What are cryptocurrencies? Hey hey hey. What are NFTs?
1: A non-fungible token. Time to buy Bitcoin.
0: Bitcoin just seems like
1: a scam. was.
0: Hello everyone, welcome back to On the Ledger. This is your host, Most Saeed. Hope you're all doing well as we are back once again on your weekly rendezvous from Paris. Today is one of those episodes that I've been looking forward to since, well, since Cyril it in the books. (laughs) First because of today's topic, but mainly because of today's guests. We'll be talking about culture, storytelling, art and Ledger's NFT collection with two of my favorite people in the space. Well, if you think about it, the internet has kind of decentralized how culture is formed. Anyone with a phone could create art or tell a story and reach millions of people around the world with a click of a button. Web3 enhances that even further, with blockchain technology, not only can artists share their creations, they can now own and monetize them, as well as build and tokenize communities around their art. That's a true shift in paradigm, and there's only very few artists out there who are able to capture Web3's cultural zeitgeist. Today we're excited to have one of them on the show, Ovi Farouk, aka OSF. We'll be diving into his story, art, and inspiration, as well as explore Ledger's recent acquisition of 13 of his artworks with the one and only Ariel vangroff Ledger's VP of Comms. Ovi, Ariel, glad to have you on the show. How's it going? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me.
2: Thanks, Mo. Always a pleasure. It's a good crew. I feel like... Um... We got a dry run of this a bit at NFT Paris when we were we all <laughs> on radio together, so now it just feels like this is how we should only talk to each other.
0: <laughs> I love it. It'll make out a ton of episodes for, for Sigil and Teo. Uh But before we dive into what we're about to talk about today, I'd love for our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. Ovi, lots of people don't know this, but despite your incredible success in the art world, you're not a trained artist. Uh, you were actually a trader for over 10 years at Barclays, uh, so I'm curious, what's the story behind that uh, very interesting transition?
1: Yeah, it's a good question.
0: Actually, before I was a trader and worked in
1: finance, I used to do a lot of digital art when I was a teenager, so that actually came before that phase in my life. Um, but back then, you know, when I was like 13 or 14, there was no real way to monetize it um there were online digital art communities and people were just there like making art and enjoying it rather than like trying to you know set up for some eth and all that kind of stuff but i used to spend spent my teenage years doing that then i went to university and um ended up pursuing a career in finance and i was a trader for about 10 years which i loved I, I really enjoyed it um it was something that i felt fit my skills and maybe attention span is the right word very very well um but you know in 2021 is when i bought my first bitcoin so i was pretty late into the crypto game and um stumbled onto nfts with with my friend mando and it just really reminded me of like when i was 13 or 14 like being in the whole like online digital art community except now it was amazing because you actually monetize it with this idea of crypto and nft uh technology i guess um so i was you know pretty amazed by it and I really just started out by collecting NFTs and I was just like any other DJ, and like I was like buying stuff, selling stuff and kind of doing it on the side. And, um, you know, a few months in, I just got the urge to actually start creating again. And one day I picked up a, uh, an iPad and an Apple Pencil and just drew something and, and put it out there. And then um, the rest kind of just built up from there.
0: And what was that tipping point like? Like did you wake up all of a sudden one day and be like, okay, I'm gonna quit my job and, and start, you know, going full on NFTs? Because it was your your one of ones first on foundation, right? Was that you know prior to actually quitting your job at Barclays or, or, or after that?
1: No, so my one of ones were actually during uh during my job at Barclays and right. um there was there <laughs> like I, I had some time off that year because I was in between jobs. So I had like three or four months to spend full time on web three. And to be honest with you, I remember the first day coming back into the office, September 2021 and like getting on the the London underground, the tube and then walking into the office at like six forty five AM and just sitting down at my desk. And I was like, Oh man, like, I just, I don't know if I can keep doing this again. I don't want to go back to this life. Um, So I only really did it for two more months. But during that time, I started creating the one-of-ones. I was getting more active in, you know, the, like, investing side of things uh, by myself. And it just became clear to me. I was like, look, it's a huge risk to leave my job to do this. But I'm just very, very clearly, obviously, more passionate about one than I am the other. And, um, you know, it felt silly not to just go out there and pursue something that I felt um, felt could have a a big future. And, And so I did.
0: Ariel. Uh, you know, similar to Ovi, you were also crushing it in another industry before joining Web3. You interviewed a president, produced a Netflix original, got nominated from an Emmy. Uh, it's fair to say that, you know, you live and breathe storytelling and culture. Uh, so how do you see like digital art and, and collectibles in a more general sense impacting culture?
2: Well, you know, what's interesting for me and in the evolution of being part of what people call digital media at the time was this was just a new way of communicating with people that fit technology and innovation, but we wanted to categorize it differently. And now it's all the same. Right. And And in the same sense with NFTs or digital collectibles, we're starting to see people respond to the available technology that exists and the fact that we spend more time online. So I've always been interested in like, well, what is the category that provides the least red tape, but also what is something that's actually interested in enabling creators in the full experience of making, observing, having IP, and then being able to interact with the user across many different categories. And so the impetus for storytelling and I guess being quite interested in culture has always come from that sense of curiosity. And I find that there's generally more friction to acknowledging the world that exists around us than embracing it. And it's allowed people like me and people like you as well, Mo, and it sounds like you, Ovi, to really jump in very quickly into a space that many people are resisting, which means you get to absorb way more of it early on. Like the reality is, is I started in politics and got into media because they were like, send the young kid to work on social. Right. And when I was in media at Vice, it was like, oh, let her go make the show about the thing. Right. And and if you raise your hand and jump for it, it's quite similar in Web3. And there's still this outstanding issue that goes from each category, which is if I'm a creator, how do I actually see long term value in my work where I'm not beholden to one entity to basically be the gatekeeper for my success, for my revenue, and for my relationship to my community. And so to me, digital collectibles and what we're starting to see in the space is a true opportunity to break down that history, but we have to force it. Otherwise, habits tend to uh, continue to permeate. And that's what I think is so exciting about what we're seeing right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, Ovi obviously can speak to that more than I can, but the ability for a creator to own their engagement layer without depending on a platform is definitely really, really interesting. And we'll be talking about that in a few minutes. But before we, we jump to that, you know, we were speaking about culture and I, you know, mentioned that in the introduction, but I think that there are very few artists in the space that are able to capture the culture of Web3 with their art. And Ovi, you're one of them. Like OSF is such a household name now when it comes to Web3 art. Um, And it's actually very interesting because that identity and tonality is ever-present throughout your body of work, starting with the one-of-ones and foundations that we mentioned. So... I'm wondering, was that actually, like, premeditated? And where did the inspiration come from? Because if you look at, like, your first one-of-one one on, on on foundation, it actually sets the tone for everything that you've done down the road. Yeah, it's,
1: I don't know, like, when I get, I love culture, and I love internet culture, and, um you know, when I started getting involved in the crypto community and the NFT community, like, I really fell in love with web pre-culture. I'm just so fascinated by it. I'm so fascinated by um the things that bring people together the things that push people apart the demographics of people that get brought into the space um and just like how the simplest things like memes and just saying gm whatever like mm-hmm. actually binds people together in such a powerful way and so um you know like i think one of the thi- one of the reasons why i remember when like the idea of memes first came out it was like 2011 2012 um and it was just like the main thing about it is like it's just things that people can relate to Someone sees something that's like, ah, oh, that's I just I can so relate to that, or I can so resonate mm-hmm. with that. It's it's that feeling inside you, and that's why memes are so powerful. And you know, if you think about some of the most famous comedians or most popular comedians, their jokes are based on things people can relate to that no one ever speaks mm-hmm. accurately about, and memes are just the digital representat- representation of that. So, um, I've always really been fascinated by it. Like, I, I love the whole thing, and just it just felt natural for me to just put it into my artwork it's like oh i found this thing really funny or i found this thing really iconic wouldn't it be cool to make kind of like a satirical version of it in my style Mm -hmm. or have an interesting play on it just to like capture this moment in time or capture it's like guys i'm a very very nostalgic person like i do really weird things like i've been organizing my music playlist by quarter for the last 15 years and i literally have it all like on spotify um and uh i used to like write uh like diary entries to myself on email just so and I'd write like all these random things just so I could like look back on it and be like oh like that's what I was doing when I was 17 or whatever and for me art is the same thing like I I view it as like the stuff that I create I view as like a documentation of a certain moment in time within crypto web three it might be Mm -hmm. a certain moment in time that's specific to my life it might be something different but um you know as I look back through the stuff that I created since September 21 I think was the first piece I I look back at those pieces and I like, cool, like that reminds me of what I was thinking at that time or that reminds me of what was going on at that time. And um, I just I'm just a big fan of nostalgia and capturing the moment in some form of expression. And for me, in this situation, it's uh, it's through art.
0: And I mean, that's what the OSF editions are all about, like if anyone like goes to even season one and season two, and, and you go through all of these different moments and you're actually in the space, there are so many different moments through which you could either recognize yourself or recognize people that you know. Um, and where, where do you get the, these inspirations from? Are these things that you live, or is it more about the things that you see other people experiencing in the space?
1: It's a combination of both, I think. Like some of them are things that I live. There's the last piece of season one or the last piece of season one is... is- Tintin t- Tatouage, which, yes. which is based I remember that. on yes. <laughs> based when I was in Paris and got a tattoo with, with Ian, Ian Rogers. Um, um, so that's like kind of like, I guess, sort of personal to me. Um, and then there are other pieces like, um, I don't know, like the wreck Show, which is like, hey, this is, mm-hmm. this is like May 2022 when everything just got destroyed. And that's just like capturing that moment in time. Uh, which by the way, I didn't intend to like make it because of that. I just kind of happened
0: um
1: but uh yeah it's, it's really it really is a combination of both I would say
0: yeah you look at some of these and you're always like there must be a story behind it uh, <laughs> and I and I love that um but you know that that brings me to the ledger collection because you know we we've collected thirteen of of your artworks uh Ariel what is the ledger collection
2: well the ledger collection is actually uh bringing together many different forms of digital art and NFTs that you know, we believe eventually digital art will be among the greats of the great, right? And just like many other institutions that have their own collection, we want to have ours. And we know that Ledger also plays a role in the creative custody with these artists. Um, and so this kind of season, we've been focused on what we call foundational works, which are pieces that we believe, if you look back, At this period of time, we'll all be essential artists that really set the stage for for the space. And so we're so proud to have 13 of Ovi's pieces. I mean, it's been really fun because we kind of joke that um, Ledger is just made up of a bunch of degenerates that spend most of the time kind of surfing for work versus focused on other things. And uh, so doing this with Ovi has been really special and we're very excited to be able to showcase the collection and, and his work, among others.
0: I mean, I'm definitely excited about that, but some of the things that people ask us quite often, and I'll just, you know, ask that question over to you, Um, you know, why would a crypto security company collect digital art? Like, why are we doing this?
2: Well, first of all, I do want to go back to your other point, Ovi, and double click on the GM piece, because I actually think GM is like the Pledge of Allegiance for people who are in the space. And we don't have other ways of kind of showcasing that or like the bumper sticker acknowledgement. So I think it's important. Um, But going back to why a crypto company might have a collection, I mean, the reality is, is like Ledger is the way that you secure your value. Right now, it's being seen through Bitcoin or Ethereum or NFTs. Later, it'll be your identity. It'll be so many different facets. And we are a part of the stamp of history and time. Like there will be before Ledger and there will be after Ledger, um, hopefully not after for a long time, but you know, your devices will still work if that God forbid happened. And uh, and the truth is, is we know that digital art and supporting artists is essential. Like everything that Ledger does is about enabling artists and creators to understand how they can maintain their IP and stay secure. And we believe just like the JP Morgan's of the space or others that there should be a collection to show this off. Like what else would we have on our screens or on our walls than the people that we help support on a day-to-day basis. We want to invest in them and invest in their growth, um, and be able to support the ecosystem in all ways from creation to purchase.
0: One of the things I really loved is, uh, you know, during Ledger Open Paris, seeing all of Ovi's artworks around the event is also pretty cool. So, like, having those artworks in, in our collection, but then enabling them to come to life in our different events, like, uh, it's definitely something that truly excites me. Uh, but I
2: think it's also, I mean, to go on that point, like, the way that this started is because Ledger has a ton of people, including you, who are huge collectors, and we wanted to showcase people's work but the way that you can do that from an IP standpoint and a royalty standpoint is actually really complicated right now. And it started to have us think, well, maybe we should actually be owning a few pieces. And then we started to think about the manifesto, which was started by JMP, who runs the um, advisory board, really thinking about, okay, we should we should think about long-term what the value is going to be here and, and how we show artists, no matter what the market is like, that we're committed to it.
0: Ovi, I want to I wanna deep dive a little bit more into like... Uh different pieces that, that, that we acquired. But there's one in particular that I want to be talking about first, um, mainly because of uh, obviously um, it's actually showcasing your understanding of the medium itself and of the market dynamics. And I'm obviously talking about Red Light District, RLD. Uh, so could you speak a little bit more about RLD and its you know different engagement mechanics, why you thought about it? And um, for the people that know nothing about it, just give a quick introduction.
1: Yeah. So. RLD is the first edition piece that I did, and it's kind of become like the access token, um, or the gateway, as, as people like to call it, uh, into a lot of the stuff I create. And the idea is if you own that piece, you get a monthly airdrop of a new piece of art every month, and the promise I've made is every month until I die, so... <laughs> I'm going to be creating great, a lot of art. I, I don't know what it's going to look like when I'm 90 or 100 years old, but um, uh, the commitment is to create a new piece every month and, and airdrop it to every RRD holder. Um, to be honest with you, like, I never, um, that was never the original intention for it. Um, the way that it happened was actually kind of like a, by act, not by accident, but it was just kind of by luck. And what happens, I made this piece. I made, it was an edition. I you know sold it. I think there's 210 of them and I made a new piece, and I didn't really like it. I wasn't really going to mint it or anything, but my brother-in-law really liked it. He said, you should mint that piece, and the, the, the piece is called uh, – I don't know if I can swear anything it, but it's called F F Cash Grabs, which is um, – uh, yeah. <laughs> so it was calling out all the uh, all the all the cash grabs in the space, but it's just a picture of the skull, and it's like multicolored and stuff, yeah. and I didn't think it was a strong enough piece to mint as a one-of-one, um, but he really liked it, so I thought, you know, maybe I'll just – instead, I don't want to like – make money out of it. So why don't I just like airdrop it for free to everyone who owns an RLD? So I did. And it was very interesting. I saw that the price of this piece was actually almost the same price as the RLD was. I think the RLD at the time was like 0.4 and this piece FCG was like 0.3. And then I was like, oh, what if I just like, I was like, that's pretty good value for these guys. (laughs) like, what if I just did that every month? And so then I just decided, hey, look, I'm just gonna do it every month. So the next piece I airdrop was, professional DJing three, which is the one, the guy at the computer with all the, all the screens and stuff. Um, and I dropped that piece. And then I think that's when I think people realize like, I oh, like, wow, like the um, number one, you get to hopefully collect art that you like, but number two, and I'm obviously always thinking about things from a financial standpoint, given like trading and numbers and stuff is what mm-hmm. I was doing for 10 years. And I have that angle of looking at things as well. Um, people are like, well, this, this is like kind of like a, Monthly airdrop that has some kind of value that if I like the art I can keep or I can sell, mm-hmm. and that should like derive more value to this RLD piece, which is this mystical piece that gives you access to these things. So um, that's what I decided to do, and I kind of like it was never really the original intention when I created it, but um, I saw the opportunity and I just kind of like jumped on it, and um, and that's that. So that's how that's it really comes.
0: really really fascinating because you know back to that point about owning the engagement layer itself. If you think about like what you're actually doing with RLD versus what you could have been doing in the traditional art world without having that connection with the community. So even beyond like adding value and airdropping specific art, you actually created a sub community of RLD holders that have a, a specific Discord channel, and if you're part of it, you actually get access to other community members. So it's like it's fascinating because like it's community building, and then it's adding value, and then it's like building out different mechanics. Uh, I think it truly speaks to what the NFT medium can can offer to artists, and we're definitely excited to have an RLD in our collection. Uh, Ariel, so obviously RLE is one of 13 artworks that were collected by Ledger. Uh, What interested you in Ovi's work? And you know, talk to us a little bit more about that whole collection process.
2: Well, um, I would say for Ovi's work in particular, there's something to me that actually feels quite like, um, oh gosh, do you remember almost like the horror-esque 1950s 2D cartoons where it's almost like the ghouls and ghosts that kind of waver in the background with it. To me, there is something about your work that really reminds me of that. And I do also love that, uh, like to your point earlier, it, it fits many different vibes. Like you can tell that there's a season of personality there. It's not just one character that we see over and over again that feels the same. There's so much emotion for it perceivably still having a 2D element, which I actually think is really hard to do because... At its core, animation, and I I worked on an animated short, so I know how complicated it is. Like, there's something about your work that feels very transversal, which I think is really fun. And to most point, like seeing seeing the work up at December Open in Paris and having it feel about Paris, like I know that there is an emotional experience that I could feel even if I wasn't there that day. And so I think that that's really fun. And something that's been great about the collection is like we're betting on now, but also things for the future. Like we finally got a punk and when we did it, we ended up picking one that has less of the rarity traits now, but they're traits that we're betting on in the future, which I think is fun because we're also making some choices, like we're playing the game. And, um, and also in addition to that, something that I love about you know your work Ovi that you just also mentioned as well, which is most point about the engagement layer, like in a traditional art standpoint, you wouldn't be able to have that relationship because it would be through the gallery. And even if you made a deal, if your work was at that gallery, the gallery would still take like a percentage of the of it and of the ownership. And so for us, every time we bring an artist into the collection, um, we're really thinking like, well, how can we then also amplify that artist through Ledger and make sure that anything we're doing, like they kind of get our, our platform and awareness too, which is which is really great and exciting. And we know we've also showed like the Stark Vortexes that we have and um, at NFT Paris a couple weeks ago, we had a really great conversation um, at which Mo of course was part of as well about the collection and the pieces that are stimulating to us. And I'm excited to see each season how we thematically approach this, which to your point will have sort of that nostalgic, this is what was happening in digital art at the time. And this is how Ledger was approaching that thesis and methodology, which honestly, I I don't really know any other business that's being as transparent as they broker it in the way that we are. And we also like, part of something I love is there are the pieces we collect that are like yours. And then there are pieces we collect that are Ledger inspired work where we haven't even spoken to the artist and they've interpreted the brand. And instead of us reacting as a company and saying, well, how could they use our IP and they're interpreting us for us? It's like, that's awesome. Like, how can we get as much of that as possible? And then how can we support that artist? And that's been a really special uh, experience too.
0: Ariel. You made the perfect segue into into the next question, which is about IP, Uh, (laughs) you know. Obi, like the th- what I what I think is actually very fascinating with your work is that you've done one of ones you've done additions um you thought about like you know different ways through which you could utilize on the nft medium in order to engage with your community and then which was something I, I completely you know uh, found to be very surprising you went on like the the collection route like building out your own IP quite early on like in, in a very in a moment where CCO wasn't really a thing yet or you know it was at the beginning, at least, and then you launched Reg Guys, which I think is one of the most interesting uh, on-chain IP projects out there. Um, could you speak to us a little bit more about like uh, the inspiration? Because you did it with Canary Labs, also give us a little bit more of a of an overview of what Canary is. I, I think Red Guys was your, was your first project with, with Canary, if I'm not mistaken. Well, DGens was actually the, technically the first DGens, one. DGens, sorry. Yeah, yes, yeah. DGens was the first one. But g- give us a little bit more of, a, of an overview about what Canary is and then Red Guys and why you guys chose the CCO route. Yeah, so Canary
1: Labs is like the umbrella company for all the different things that we're doing right now. And one of them is DGens, um, which is like an NFT research platform. Um, so we have. Quantitative analytics, we have fundamental reports and all that kind of stuff. Um, one of them is RETGUE, um, which is I don't know how to really explain it. It's just like a so when I explain it to like people not in crypto, I call it a lifestyle brand. But I don't lifestyle amazing. Okay. <laughs>
2: um
1: I don't I don't really define what the lifestyle is, but <laughs> yeah, um, my
2: next question.
1: Yeah, and then we have a couple of other things that, that we're working on as well. Um, within carry that that all falls into that umbrella company. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rex guy originally it was just meant to be, again, like it was never meant to be what it is now. It was just meant to be. I just thought I had this character that was like in all my pieces, and I thought, oh, that'd be cool to be like a profile picture project. But I didn't want to like make something with expectations and utility and all this kind of stuff. I just wanted to to be like a something that I wanted to do personally, and so I made it free. Like it, it was not a it was not a paid mint, and it was a free mint for. Um, you know, any existing collector or anyone who collected the Mint we did a while back. So um, that was the idea. It was like free mint, um, free to everyone who supported us so far and no roadmap. The roadmap was literally lol. I think that's what we put it as a roadmap and that was it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I came up with the idea like kind of like early in my art journey. I think by the time we came around to launching it, things had obviously moved, on, had moved on quite a lot. So they, it, they became became quite hyped when we eventually dropped it for free and then we dropped it when the markets crashed this idea of like wrecked guy and wrecked was... that was the
0: perfect timing yeah and like again, the culture and significance behind that moment is insane
1: like it was genuinely completely unintended like it, i'd started drawing this in january way before any, anything had crashed so it just happened like by the time i dropped it it was like literally like the, the two days before the whole market just completely nuked um but we decided to make it cco because the idea for it, it was never meant to be like this whole big IP thing, and you know, we never, we're not, we weren't trying to create a brand. We're not trying to create a tech company. We're not trying to create like uh, an events company or anything like that. It's just like a piece of art, um which there is a community around and, and some culture around, and and that's it. And I think for me, like making it CC zero is one of the things that really amplifies that because it allows anyone to be a part of it. You don't have to own a rect guy to be a part of the community. You can go out there and draw it yourself and make it yourself. And people made loads of derivatives of it, which I think were great. There are actually so many different derivative projects. You can buy, like, this thing called Fake Rects, which is just where people use, like, rec guys, and they, um, you know, they you can have, like, this access pass, and they sell them, and they, they trade. You can have this thing called the Meme Lord District, which is, like, the meme version of the RLD, and you get, like, monthly drops, which are all, like, rec guy memes and stuff. Um, and there's, like, you know, tons of other... Uh, Like I don't even want to call them derivative projects because I think derivative maybe not looked at in the best light. I think they're just like tons of other like projects which use like the wrecked guy image or like ideas or whatever it is. And I think that's amazing because like it's really allowed that culture to be amplified, and it means like we're not we're not trying to be out going out there saying we own wrecked. We don't we own this idea of being wrecked. We own wrecked guys. That's not what we're saying. We're saying that I'm really fascinated with this idea of being wrecked, and it's definitely like a big part of my life. And um I really like creating art around it. And I want if you guys like it, I want you guys to do the same thing. And if you guys can monetize it, then that's even better because like it feels really good to see to see people be able to make money off something that, that you've created. So um, you know, like I know like these days, well, the whole web two idea is like, oh, we have this brilliant IP and you have all these like followers and you have this big user base. So like, why don't you just like keep the IP and that cell can be that cell can be worth loads of money, but That's not really the idea of this project. It's not, it's not to make loads of money. It's just to, just to be a meme. Yeah. It's just a, it's just a a meme. Yeah. That's it.
2: (laughs) It's like the history of red guy because of, because of your history as a trader, like, is it almost the alter ego of the fear? And so then like anything that comes of it is the bonus because it's the risk, like where, like, where does, like, where does that ultimate kind of inspiration come from? Do you think?
1: I think, um, so we have the saying, the rec guy community has what is almost an official slogan, which is down bad, but never dead. And I think mm. for me, the inspiration comes from like, I've like, especially in my trading career, I had times where like I lost loads of money in one day and it's like very like stressful or like worried or like I've always felt like in my life, I've always been an underdog. And if I haven't been an underdog, I always put myself in an, under- in an underdog position because I think, that's where I feel like I thrive the most and like Rocky is like my favorite film and that's like a massive underdog story. So I'm like really like obsessed with that culture. And, um, you know, to, I think parts of being an underdog or parts of being, um, in a challenge is like having lost a lot to begin with or having, you know, um, taken a big hit or whatever. And then, you know, life is all about how you come back from that and bounce back from that and, and, you know, prove people wrong or, you know, somehow, Despite all the blows that you take or all the punches you take to the head, you're kind of like still standing. You're, you're not knocked out. So, those are like the themes and the ideologies that go into my art, but also is is what Red Guy is about. And look like in the in the world of crypto, whether it's a bull market or whether it's a bear market, people just lose money all the time. Like whether you get scammed or whether you buy a random altcoin that's up a thousand percent one day and down ninety nine percent the next day. Like um, uh, whether you get fished, like all these sorts of things and By the way, guys, make sure you're secured by Ledger and that will help you avoid 95% of those problems. But um, it's it's just prevalent in crypto. Like, wrecked culture is a lot of crypto culture, but it doesn't mean you're out for the count. And there are so many amazing stories about how people lose everything and then bounce back from it. And um, that's, like, the aspect of it I really want to and like to celebrate and like to encourage. It's like, I want to send the message out to people. It's like, look, you may have lost a load and you might... Feel all up, really down right now but it's not over like you're not out for the count um because if you just all you have to do is like stay standing and just stay alive and um you'll come back from it pretty strong and i think that's the idea behind it and for something like that it's a message i think people can benefit from and we don't need to have we don't need to own the ip and try and monetize it like it just should be you know free for all i think
0: i love that i love that Then. Actually, you do have different ideas through which the Red Guy IP can come to life. I don't know if you want to be talking about that. One of them is obviously as a tattoo. It, it, you know, it's probably pretty cool. Uh, but you know, do you do you want to give us a little bit of a hint on how you think in the future Red Guy can become an off-chain IP rather than a solely on-chain IP?
1: Yeah, I think um, we've done three different events, and we, we did we collaborated with you guys on the one in Paris. I think events are a really great way to get people together and i think a lot of nft events are very same we just have this like big party and like a club or whatever and just i think we want to do something different and our events have been different so far um the saying is what happens at the rect event stays at the Rex event so i can't go into what actually happens at the events but um you know like I, I think we just enjoy doing different things with events and beyond that i don't know like um I kind of don't really want to go down the line of like selling products like we did a merch drop recently and it, and it was something that we did because I think people wanted it and, um, it's not something we like, I think we, we did it for flats. We didn't even really make any profits on it. Um, so I think if people are like, Hey, we want to, we want merch, we want like special items or, um, you know, maybe we want like a wrecked ledger or something like that. Like those are things I think we can, uh, we can do and we can deliver. Um, but it's with We'd the intent that. of like, yeah, giving people the things that they want rather than us trying to create things that they want to monetize. But I think one thing I've noticed is that I think a lot of brands and big players, whether it's web two or web three, kind of want access to our community or our IP. And it's like, hey, we want to collaborate with you this on on this. And I think um that's an opportunity for us, an opportunity for us to actually um elevate and amplify the brand and and the idea behind it without you know going out there and having to Raise VC money and and all that kind of stuff.
0: Ariel, what does the future look like for the Ledger Collection? Now that you know we've obviously throughout the first year uh, collected you know amazing artwork from artists like uh, you know OSF, Justin Versano, some art blocks as well. Where, where's the um, where's the next destination? Where are we heading?
2: Well, I loved um, what Ovi just talked about for the underdog. And it really made me think about the fact that so much of what we do in the space is like justifying the space versus seeing some of the creation. So I think the collection is a really great embodiment of just being able to look back at that creativity. Uh, As I said, you know, this was really the foundational season. Next season, um, I I think we're really looking at sort of emerging artists, people who are very much from around the world. Um, we want to be part of people's growth like what's what's been really fun over the last year is there are a lot of people that we started to bring into the collection that we've obviously seen become much uh, larger artists in many different forms, so I can't really say who will be acquiring or what pieces, but I will say if you have an artist uh, in mind or if you are an artist and you think The Ledger should tag us on Twitter and hit us up and let us know. And we're always looking and scouring every day for new pieces to bring in.
0: Ovi, uh, speaking about the future, you know, there, there's always this question might be a little bit cliche, but I know you'll find an un-cliche answer to it. Uh, what would What is your ultimate, you know image of 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 a successful artistic career what would be like the the epitome of of success in in your eyes oh gosh for for me or just in general yeah for you because interesting you talked about being 90 and still doing artworks so you know you you want to be creating art you want you don't want to be you know going off and you know going to St. Bart's and and chilling there and not not creating (laughs) any archivist
2: (laughs) archivist
0: (laughs) (laughs) And, and what's great is that you've actually with that Identity and tonality—you do have like a whole journey ahead of you that you could keep evolving. One question that might be another, like a double question: Will you ever deviate from 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 that and and kind of start off a new journey as a OSF, but not necessarily going through that down that same path? And then yeah, th- those two questions together. I'm, I'm cheating here, but. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the first question: What would it
1: look like to be like a have a successful art career, whatever? I think. I would say if I could reach as many people as possible, that would be that would be my definition of success. And I wouldn't measure it by sales or anything like that. I'd measure it by like, oh, have you seen like, you know, OSF season one or have you seen this piece? And everyone's like, oh yeah, I know this piece, or I know this piece. And, and for people to actually know what they're about or at least have their own interpretation as to what they're about, I think that would be my definition. Like I would love, I would, you know, you, you mentioned that at the beginning very, uh, generously that I that I'm a household name. I don't think I don't think I'm quite there yet, but um, you know, one day I think it would be it would be nice to have like um, to have my art seen by as many people as possible, but also have as many interpretations of it as possible. And I'm always interested to see how people interpret in their own way. And um, for me, I think that would be the best measure of success. Second question, you know, does the future could the future look any different, or could I deviate or change? I'm actually very well known by my friends and family and um, and unfortunately for my wife of like changing my mind quite a lot and doing different things. And she's always tells me like, oh, I thought I married someone who worked in a bank and was a trader and now I'm married to an artist. Um, so I do change my mind and stuff quite a lot, but I also stick to like the core promises, beliefs, ideas. And um, so I think like, I will still be doing the same things in terms of like, hey, there's still going to be a monthly RLD airdrop. I'm still going to be creating art because it's something I like and I'm passionate about. Um, Will it look exactly the same as it looks now? You know, maybe not. Things can change. Things can develop. And I'm adaptive and I'm open-minded and I'm always willing to uh, to change to new situations. So um, I think the kind of core ideas of like doing the things that I've done will always remain. But what that actually looks like optically could be different in a few years, uh, who knows? And, you know,
0: even I don't know the answer to that yet, but we'll see. I think we're, we're all looking forward to, to seeing <laughs> what the future of OSF holds for us. Uh, but before we finish off, I actually want to give you the opportunity to ask a question to one another. That's kind of our own way of uh, participating in decentralization. So Ariel, you want to start?
2: Sure. Uh, now I'm just thinking about like old rec guy and what he would be doing.
0: 90-year-old um, <laughs> <laughs> OSF. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, I mean, I guess I, my mind kind of goes into two different directions. I think one would be something you would say no to for your brand, right? Like if you describe it sort of as a lifestyle brand in some ways, like like what is something you never think you would see for it and your, your art? Um, and then my second one would be do you think eventually, like if you think about your work in perpetuity, you would hand over the IP for someone else to interpret it? Not like future royalties, but actually in creation. Like how do you sort of see the passing down of your pieces or do you think it sort of ends within your with your own artistry?
1: Yeah, both good questions. I think um, what would we say no to? I think there's a lot of things we would say no to. I think the, the main thing is um, we... I don't really believe in monetizing our holders and monetizing people. And look, I still sell art, and I and we still, you know, um, have NFTs that we sell. But the idea is that they're always priced or they're always made where you, people can make money on it or people can get something from it. And it's like it's not like it's like it's like to create this idea that every we're all in it together. And if I do really well, then all our holders will do really well. And that's why we have these things like these buyback strategies where 20% of our profits go back to buying back rec guys. And so we're assuming the value to them. So sometimes you get um, people reach out to you who are like, hey, we want to do this. And by the way, we can both like make loads of money from it. And I'm just like, well, it's not really, I think it's not going to, number one, it doesn't fit with the brand, but it also doesn't fit with like driving value to our holders. And I think the idea for us, is, like how do we drive value to our holders as much as possible? Sometimes that might mean we have to do a paid mint but we're using those processes in a good way to actually multiply that mint price or maybe it's just like turning down certain things and agreeing to certain things. So I think, um, you know, sometimes you get approached by like very big, well-known brands and you think, oh, wow, this would be so amazing if Guy plus XYZ was put out together, but you just know their intentions are not like necessarily Web3 native or, or genuine. And at the end of the day, while the headline Thing might be really good, it's probably medium to long term not great for holders. So I think um, that's the main thing for us to make sure like the same concepts and in- interests are aligned. Um, and it's a good question with regard to the IP. I mean, um, I guess theoretically anyone can make whatever they want because it's CC0, but maybe at some point I could hand over the contracts or whatever or hand over like, hey, here's season 23 the edition someone else is doing it. Um, I, don't know, I don't know how I feel about that because I feel... Rightly or wrongly, so I do feel like a little bit possessive over it. Not possessive over like because everything is CC0 anyway, but it's like, oh, would I really want someone else like creating the things that I have in my head or 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 make their own interpretations of it? And that's quite um, it's a it's a little bit of a scary thought. But I don't know, like maybe at some point, maybe at some point I have to do that. Like you know what what happens after I die? Like is is someone going to carry it on? I'd love for someone to do that. Um, I would think. I, I guess my answer to that is like it would have to be the right person. It would have to be someone who I probably have known for a very long time and someone who I think is like genuine about art and genuinely understands the concepts and beliefs behind it and um, just kind of gets it. And I think not everyone gets it, but maybe some people do. And I think for the right person, I would I would say yes. Um, but it's still a very scary thought.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, but I think it's cool because we'll, we'll have to kind of see with some digital art, like, now with Brett with houses or with big brands right you have different people that come in and interpret it and that's how it lives on and still has like an influx of new creativity and it'll be interesting to see with certain collections whether it's meant to be a period of time that exists within that state or whether it's meant to be a representation that gets to be interpreted by different artists who understand the ethos so I'm kind of fascinated to see but yeah good good answer
0: You probably planted the seed there, Ariel. (laughs) 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 Absolutely. absolutely. Obi, go ahead. Yeah, I've got, um, I
1: kind of got two questions as well. Um, So the first question is, um, how do you feel about the word ledger now being almost universally used just for any hardware wallet, just like Hoover or Sellotape or... um, I don't know, I can't think of, there's another, I'm sure there's more, but I can't think of them, where
0: they're actually brands. but
1: Red Bull. Red Bull, yeah, they're actually brands, but people use them as, as um, uh, use them collectively. Um, and the second question is, I think, um, the idea, kind of a follow-on from that, the idea of a ledger is like, so it's now started to get really ingrained in crypto culture, and you see a lot of memes with ledger. There's one really cool one that I saw, which said like, um, it was like, come and take it, which is like an old, ussr meme but i had like a ledger mm-hmm. on it i think vince vandoe made that one which is which is amazing um uh and i think it's really like within crypto culture but as you guys think about as we get mass adoption you guys think about um growing out there um into the wider audience how do you view ledger as a brand in that context of like a much bigger and wider audience
2: it's, it's great questions, and it's actually something that we're talking a lot about right now, and kind of hits on that point of how excited like I am, and I know we all are at seeing artists and creators interpret the brand in that way. Um, it's very much the Kleenex of the space. Like you don't buy a hardware wallet. you buy a ledger, and we like that. Like we want that to grow. And also because the history of the space is, It's a temperature-based wallet that is a vault that blah, 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 right? Like all of the language is kind of prohibitive and awful. And so if we can just be the verb, if we can be the embodiment, that's amazing. Also because everyone's experience is so different. It's like saying, oh, who's the internet for? And so we need different communities and people to embrace our brand and make it feel like it can be their own in the same way that when I pick up my phone I'm not thinking about the Apple brand every day. I'm thinking about the relationship it gives me to my community. And that's Ledger's role in this space as well. And I would say in the second piece, in terms of uh, how it's showing up in culture, we really want Ledger to be the physical representation of digital value. And so that will mean many things. That will mean choice, which is the come and get it and freedom piece. That will mean the you know Killian piece where it's the empire state building-esque uh, showing in, in New York, that will be some where it's, it's a trait for a collection, like, and all of those pieces have equal value because they mean something different. And for us, there's an incredible amount of pride there. It's something we really don't take lightly. It's like quite humbling. So for us, it's like artists and community first and ledger should have services and support that makes it so that gets easier and easier um and it's it's really quite fun honestly to see. I mean I'm looking at Mo and like a year and a half ago we literally were um doing, you know, discord no yeah, discord security talks for an hour to like 12 people to talk about ledger and now, you know, seeing the brand where it's growing into is is exciting and fragile. So what we we'll
0: to push. But even th- that interesting point I was actually having that conversation the other day and you talk about like ledger as being the evolution of a physical wallet because at the end of the day you have your money, you're going to have your credentials, your identity, you know, your gym card, your driving license. It's all going to be in your ledger. But what the word wallet isn't able to encapsulate is all the culture that you have on top of it. So the art, the the gaming aspects, the you know, whatever collectibles you have. So I think even the word ledger is so much more appropriate to for what this object is all about, because it's not only a wallet, it's actually a ledger in which you have noted down all of your, you know, secured um, digital assets. So I think the word ledger is even more appropriate if you think about it from a philosophical standpoint.
2: (laughs) I agree. And if you look at some of the original ledger pitch decks, the mission of the business really hasn't changed actually. Um, But the way that we're getting to see it come to life is so amazing. Like ledger will do for this transformation of the internet, what the smartphone did for the last one. And you're right to be like, the current definition doesn't encapsulate everything because we're catching, we're catching up to what we know the future will be. Um, and that's also a fun part of a brand to get to experience. So it's just continuing to make those inroads over time.
0: Absolutely. So we, before we wrap up, what's next for OSF? What, what should people be expecting in the short term?
1: I have another collection, a new collection that I'm working on, um, which I haven't really spoken about at all, actually, yet. So in public, at least. So this is the first time I'm mentioning it. But um, okay. but it's
0: very early editions. Stages.
1: Sorry, uh, it's going to be a collection. editions. As part be... of the editions. Well, it won't be part of the editions. It'll be a new. It'll be a brand new collection. Um, okay. And maybe owning certain editions will help to be be part of it. But um, it's an idea I've had for a while, and I've had to like. Get all this other stuff out the way before i could start working on it so i've kind of been working it very slowly but um yeah i don't know. I think any uh, hints yeah if you if you think about the professional DJM pieces this is this is professional DJM 5 so it'll be the fifth installment but it's actually uh-huh. going to be a collection not just one piece and not just one image of an edition um
0: and that's all i'll say
1: <laughs> but, uh that's
0: going to be the next right. thing next big thing for me which i'm which i'm working on right now we should actually cut this as a clip and, and post it on on social media. I know, I think. Quite
2: alpha. Some some
0: alpha for us here from OSF. We love it. Uh, Ariel, what's next for Ledger?
2: Oh my God, what is it next for Ledger? No, I mean like <laughs> I would say market aside, um, we're continuing to push so many exciting things. Like that tomorrow, or I guess when this comes live, Ledger extension will have just launched which is a really amazing uh, browser extension and just easy way to clear sign and securely and quickly mint, which we're very excited about. Um, and of course, something I'm, I'm so thrilled about is our Ledger Quests, which is our proof of knowledge NFTs. Um, I think they're truly innovative in the space and I love seeing how our community responds to them on social. So those are two things to check out if you haven't yet love it. for Ledger.
0: This was an absolute pleasure. Uh, I think I could have kept going for hours, but uh, unfortunately we're we're limited by time. But, you know, we're going to be doing this again. I hope this is not the last pieces that we collect from OSF, but even beyond that, Ovi, you are welcome anytime on the ledger and Ariel, obviously, this is your home.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks Mo for always being the best and Ovi, uh, it's truly a pleasure, so.
1: Thanks for having me, guys. The pleasure is uh, is definitely mine. Always, uh, always great to hang out with you guys. That's it.
0: I could have kept chatting with Ovi and Ariel for hours. Such an amazing conversation. Gotta love their vibe and approach to art, culture, and storytelling in a more general sense. I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. On the Ledger, we'll be back soon with more of your favorite content. Till next time. Take care. Au revoir.